You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by my bookie. Double your first deposit up to a thousand dollars. Head to mybookie.ag and use promo code GATORS to activate the offer. Bet, win, get paid at mybookie. Gators Breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC. Getting you ready for Florida versus Tennessee, noon this Saturday in the Swamp. Joining me on this episode is Nathaniel Rutherford, the managing editor at Rocky Top Insider. He'll give us a look at the season so far for the Volunteers and the key matchups for the game. Remember, you can find Gators Breakdown on News4Jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. There you'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes. You can also find them at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. When using those services, please share, rate, and review the show. And on social media, follow Gators Breakdown on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. Later this week, catch a News 4 Jacks exclusive. Talking with Troop every week exclusively on News4Jacks.com. The former Gators tight end Ben Troop joins me once a week this season. And, uh, you know, Ben brings it, gives his thoughts like only he can. Looking forward to uh, seeing how he sees the Gators uh, moving forward uh, with Kyle Trask and Emory Jones at the quarterback position. Every week, exclusively this season, on News4Jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. Nathaniel Rutherford, the managing editor of Rocky Top Insider, joins me here on Gators Breakdown to preview the Tennessee Volunteers. Nathaniel, welcome to Gators Breakdown. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, absolutely. So, of course, you know, we'll preview the Tennessee Volunteers here as uh, they travel to Gainesville to the Swamp for uh, Florida's first SEC matchup of the season uh, at home. So a disappointing start uh, to the season for uh, with a huge upset loss to Georgia State and then a, a hard fault down to the wire loss to a pretty good BYU team. BYU team, And, and the Vols are sitting at 1-2 and two, coming off a win to UT Chattanooga. You know, while it has been a disappointing start, I'm sure Tennessee is viewing this Florida game as a as a redemption game and a moment where they can turn the season around. Absolutely. I mean, this is a, a game where, you know, I I think Florida's a good team. I don't think they're a, a top 10 team. They're, they're definitely beatable. We, we've seen that. You know, I think you'd, be, you'd admit it too, David. We, we've seen that in the first two big games of Florida's season, obviously discounting UT Martin, but they looked – very beatable against Miami and they look very beatable against Kentucky this is a game where with it being a noon kickoff on the road and stuff too and I think Tennessee specifically a quarterback with Derek Garantano I think you know he tends to play better on the road I think Tennessee's team last season in certain games played better on the road than they did at home so I'll, I'll you know I think a lot of fans would I don't know they, they wouldn't totally forget what happened in the beginning of the season with with Georgia and then also you know losing a heartbreaker to BYU 
they wouldn't totally forget that if Tennessee came out and you know got the upset against Florida, but a lot of fans would be willing to at least forgive it. You know, they, they wouldn't forgive it. They would they would forgive the beginning if Tennessee comes out and you know does something they haven't done since 2003, and that would be you know getting a win down the swamp. And then you you. Uh... You know, from the Florida side of things, you know, and, and looking at the fan base, of course, with the emergence of Florida LSU rivalry, and then of course, you know, Florida playing Miami this year, and Florida Georgia, Florida Florida State, and you know, Florida's recent streak uh, against Tennessee. You know, Florida fans kind of dismissed this Tennessee game. Uh, of course, it's nowhere near what it was in the '90s and in early. 2000s with Spurrier and Fulmer uh you know so this kind of on the Florida side of things you know the, the rivalries kind of fell by the wayside maybe even dropped behind Florida and LSU um from the Tennessee side of things uh, of course I know it's a little bit different when you go on a, a losing streak like that is this still you know of course Alabama's up there too but is this still one of the top if not the top one of the top two rivalries for Tennessee absolutely I think most fans you have um, especially, you know, some of the older fans will say Alabama is number one, and you know, I wouldn't argue that. That that's been a a storied rivalry for decades, and, and Florida was more of a new uh, <clears throat> new one that started in the '90s when you know you had the expansion and the split into divisions in the SEC. But all fans, I think, by and large, they'll still have Florida, if not number one, number two, as far as most hated rivals um, on the football field. And I think you're getting more and more people who would put Georgia up there just because. You know, Georgia is finally, you know, playing up to their standard, playing up to expectations of what they, you know, what's kind of, they've looked like a sleeping giant for a long time. It does seem like Curry Smart can tap it into that a little bit more. So I think you're seeing more fans throwing there to, you know, Georgia maybe number two or ahead of Florida. But I still think for the most part, you have Alabama and Florida are the most hated um, teams by all fans. It's interesting, but you know, you mentioned with the huge streak that Florida had, and that even still Tennessee breaks that streak in 2016, but they've they've lost the last two. So you've had Florida winning. I think it's 13 the last 14 games against Tennessee with that happening. And with, you know, a lot of those games being kind of dominating victories too, by the Gators you've seen with Tennessee being as down as they have teams like South Carolina and uh, Missouri and Vanderbilt really kind of become rivals for Tennessee, just because Tennessee has been so down that those teams have started to get victories against the Vols. And they've, those, those series have become a lot more competitive. So I'll be, you know, I'm, I'm, it's been a very interesting past five to 10 years to really watch how things have changed for Tennessee because of how down they've been. And, you know, these teams that Tennessee has historically dominated and hasn't had an issue with um, become more rivals than what they, they, you know, maybe you can say what they should have been because of how, how bad Tennessee has been. But no, I, I still think the fans, especially uh, and the players too, still very much have a, a deep seated hatred of the Gators. All right, let's get to these players a little bit as they uh, come to Gainesville. And coming into the season, quarterback Jarek Garantano, it was one of those SEC quarterbacks where we were looking at taking that next step, much like we kind of viewed Felipe Franks as well. Uh, how has his progression played out to this point in the season? It's honestly, it's been disappointing. Um, you look at the stat sheet, if you haven't watched the games that Tennessee's played against Georgia State or against BYU, um, you can discount kind of what he did against UTC. That's an FCS school. But I thought he'd have a nice bounce back performance against them. But if you look at the stat sheet, you're going to say, hey, he's, you know, he's not been terrible. Um, he's completed, you know, 60-something percent of his passes for seven touchdowns, only two interceptions, and, you know, a decent amount of yardage, especially considering he only played one half against UTC. But when you watch the way he played against Georgia State, it was, it was mediocre. It wasn't horrible. He wasn't the main reason Tennessee lost that game, that people were trying to, you know, kind of – throw the blame on his shoulders. He, he wasn't great, but he wasn't the reason Tennessee lost that game. There's lack of effort and the defense were the reasons why Tennessee you know, ultimately lost that game. But against BYU, 
he was a huge reason Tennessee lost against the Cougars because for whatever reason, I mean, he was making mistakes that he hasn't made really maybe even his entire Tennessee career, not, you know, at, at the least since his redshirt freshman season in 2017. So it seemed like at the beginning of the year and even a, a little bit at the very beginning of the UTC game, it, it seemed like he has like regressed. And I don't know why that is because you, you bring in Jim Chaney, who's you know really good at, playing to the strengths of his offense and, you know, and really making quarterbacks who struggled look better and, and kind of figure out, you know, what can we do to mask their weaknesses here and, and get them to play better and, and do things that, you know, they weren't able to do with their careers. And I think part of that's also a learning curve because, you know, Garantano, this is his, this is his fourth offensive coordinator in his four years at Tennessee. So he's had a different play caller every single year he's been at Tennessee. But I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. His, his, development and his progression to start this season has been disappointing but like I said he does statistically and from just watching him play on the road the last two seasons he does play better on the road than he does at home I I think it kind of helps him to you know I I think he kind of feeds off a little bit of that that hostility and stuff from the opposing fans and and, and being in a hostile environment I think he does feed off that a little bit because so what you want about him he's very tough and he's very competitive so I I think he does kind of feed off that some but I mean he, he hasn't been what Vol fans were kind of hoping and, and maybe expecting him to be. Well, they were, I don't think anyone was really expecting him to be, you know, like an all SEC type of quarterback, but he, he definitely hasn't, he hasn't shown growth. And if anything, he's, he's, you know, shown some um, regression from last season. Well, he certainly has some weapons on the outside, uh, wide receiver with Jawan Jennings, and uh, who seems like he's been at Tennessee for forever, <laughs> and then uh, mm-hmm. and Marquez Callaway as well. You know, those guys are are given uh, in, in what they do and how they can help Garantano there. But is there is there another wide receiver we should watch for uh, in in helping those two? Well, the other one I would say to to keep an eye on would be Josh Palmer. He's a, a junior who who has some big play threat. He hasn't really done a whole lot um, this season yet, but I, he's a guy that I, w- I would fully expect with this kind of speed and stuff he has. And, you know, with Florida secondary being, I, I would say probably definitely the weakness on defense. I, I'd be very intrigued to see what they use, how they use him. I would watch um, tight end Dominic Wood Anderson. He has the a big play potential from the, t- the tight end spot. I do imagine, though, that they'll be asking him and Austin Pope, the other uh, main tight end that plays, they'll be using th- those two a lot for blocking uh, Florida's front, front seven because Tennessee's offensive line I think is going to have a lot of issues with what I think is a very good uh, Florida front seven. So I think you'll see when the tight ends are in there, I, I wish they'll be in there quite a bit. Um, I expect them probably to be more used in the blocking game than, than the passing game, but we'll see. I think we had Anderson's one to keep an eye on, but I, I also would really watch uh, if you're you know a Florida fan, what Tennessee does with their running backs out of the backfield because both Ty Chandler and true freshman Eric Gray are really good pass-catching options. You haven't seen it a ton yet this year as far as them being used a, a whole lot in the passing game. I think they were used a little bit in the first game of the season, for, if I'm remembering the, the, you know, the stats correctly. But both those guys are very shifty, especially Eric Gray. He, he, as a true freshman, he's sh- shown a lot of playmaking ability uh, just for his shiftiness and the wiggle he has and just his vision. Um, those are kind of the two guys I would really circle you know, outside the wide receivers as guys that, you know, whether it's going to be on screens or maybe even you know, Tennessee's kept it a little bland on their play calling on offense. There's a good chance you could maybe see one of those running backs, you know, live on the slot or something like that. And, you know, against, uh, like I said, a Florida secondary that I think is, is prone to some big plays. I think those two might be even more than, than uh, Josh Palmer. I think those two guys might be ones you want to watch out for in the, in the passing game is how, how Tennessee uses their running backs in this, in the uh, passing attacking. 
That's a good point because Todd Grantham uh, and, and Jim Chaney, you know, went, went 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 against each other last year, of course, with Florida Georgia, and, and Chaney used the running backs well there out of the backfield as well, and, and able to get those screen passes going, especially with this Florida defensive front and aggressive as they are. Uh, definitely, mm-hmm. uh, a, yeah, definitely a point uh, to watch out for there. Uh, probably the biggest question mark, and you just kind of alluded to it a little bit uh, heading into the matchup, is this. Tennessee offensive line and how they handled the Florida pass rush and maybe even trying to you know, establish a run game as well. Have they settled on a starting five heading into the matchup or is it still a little bit of a mix and match uh, for the first three games of the season? I think after the UTC game, obviously that's against UTC. Tennessee you know, should have been able to dominate up front in that game and, and they did for the most part. I think after that game, they've they've settled on at least a, a group of six or seven guys I trust. So maybe maybe not quite exactly the same starting five you had against UTC will be the same one you see against Florida. But I think in that game, they found five guys who they started in that game because one of their, their typical starters, Demir Johnson was kind of banged up. So they didn't, you know, didn't want to risk it against an, an inferior opponent. Um, but I think he's found those five and then Jameer Johnson and probably Marcus Tatum, who's your know, most experienced tackle. I think they've, like I said, if they haven't settled on the starting five. They've settled on a, a group of six or seven guys who, um, are the ones that are going to play the most. And whether that's, you know, it, it, whoever starts may not be the guy who's playing in the fourth quarter, who they go to in crunch time. But I, I think you have two true freshmen and Wanya Morris and Arnold Wright, who they, you know, I think they, they found what they liked them. They're going to play them a lot. They also found a, a guy who is older than those two, but from a, a, an experience standpoint has just as much experience as them in Kron Calvert because he hasn't played his first couple years in Tennessee because of injuries and stuff. But he's finally started to play some this year. And he looked very good at the uh, right tackle spot for Tennessee um, against UTC. Granted, that was against UTC, but he gives them a really good um, – a, a guy who can kind of steal the edge a little bit out there on, on running plays because he played guard a lot in high school and has played guard mostly at Tennessee so far, but they put him a tackle. And you know, he's a little raw from a, a pass-blocking perspective, which, you know, where he's against Florida, but they, they do like him from there. So you also have Brandon Kennedy, who's, you know, a veteran from Alabama who's, you know, finally healthy and playing over Tennessee. And then you have Trey Smith, obviously, the – everyone knows who he is and he's really good at that left guard spot i think like i said you you have five or six or seven guys that i think they're going to play and and will play most of the game i just i'm very worried about wanya morris donna Wright, Kieran calvert whether they start or not they're going to be having their first road trip their first road star or their first major road experience and it's not just you know any road game it's like you're playing a, a, a big 12 team or a you know, pac 12 team or whatever that doesn't have a vaunted front seven I mean, this is – you can make a case so far at the beginning of the season that Florida's front seven is the best front seven in the SEC. And if you have the best front seven in the SEC, you probably have the best you know, front seven in the entire college football. So it, it, it's going to be it, – it, I don't have a lot of confidence – or as much confidence as some people seem to have with, with Tennessee's offensive line heading into this game because of, you know, they played well and it looks like they found a lot of guys against UTC. I, I still – I'm going to have to – see it before i believe it but um i do think they at least have six or seven guys they do trust now and they're not you're not going to see a bunch you're not going to see you know nine or ten guys rotating and out against uh, the gators on, on saturday yeah almost similar to, to florida's offensive line as well you know they got six seven guys they feel you know good about but how you know how, how do they perform on the field is a, is a different story you, you know that you know who the six or seven are going to be but how they perform, you know, is is up in the air. And uh, for Florida, you know, not too good uh, in the run game. And we'll get to that uh, in just a second, too. But Nathaniel Rutherford, the managing editor managing editor of Rocky Top Insider, joining me here on Gators Breakdown. As we move to the other side of the ball, 
Uh, is the Tennessee defense viewing this game different now that Felipe Franks is out and, and the possibility of seeing both Kyle Trask and Emory Jones? You know, I'll be very intrigued to see that. We don't get to see, you know, a, very much at all at practice. And I, I know you guys, I don't think you get to see anything at practice now that you know, the season's going on. So, you know, they like to close down practices and have state secrets in college football, from what I've noticed. <laughs> um, but we don't, we don't get to see, you know, a lot of preparation for what they do. So we have to go based on, you know, what, what Coach Pruitt says and what the players and everything say about, you know, how they're pre- preparing and stuff. And I would imagine now, you know, with what Dan Mullen said after the game on Saturday and what he said on Monday about, you know, playing both guys, it, it'll be very interesting to me to see how Florida's offense runs because, you know, they were very, I thought they looked even better with Kyle Trask in there than they did with Felipe Franks on Saturday against Kentucky. And, you know, that, that's not a huge observation. I think a lot of people could see that, but I'll be, you know, that was him. And, and Bill mentioned he, he, you know, wanted to, he thought about playing Emory Jones, but he didn't want to kind of disrupt the flow that Trask was in. I go back to when Tennessee played Georgia last year on the road in Athens. Obviously, Georgia wins that game because, I mean, they were just better than Tennessee across the board talent-wise. But Tennessee was actually in that game better than I thought they were going to be. And it was only like, a, I think, a 12-point game early in the fourth quarter. And that, that was closer than I expected it to be. And part of that was because Georgia at the time, they were rotating in and out quarterbacks. You know, you, you had Jake Fromm playing most of it, but then you would take him out and put in Justin Fields for a play or two. And it, it just would kind of disrupt the rhythm on Georgia's offense, and that to me was one of the reasons why they they didn't have a bigger lead and weren't playing as you know as well as maybe they could have. I'll be very interested to see with Kyle Trask and this being his first career start at Florida. I think you know what his first career start since early high school for him because he wasn't the starter in his junior and senior year of high school. With this being his first start, you know how does he respond to being pulled out for you know a guy to come in and, and you know maybe run a series or run a couple of plays? You know I'll be very interested to to kind of watch how Florida's offense plays out. It either has the potential to be really, really good and it, and it works well. And, you know, you, you can draw those comparisons to the 2016 with Chris Lee and Tim Tebow, or it could go poorly and you could kind of disrupt Trask's confidence or maybe even disrupt Emory's confidence. And I, I don't know. I think Tennessee is definitely preparing for both of them. And maybe that was even some games of the shit by Mullen and they don't play two guys, but um, I think Tennessee, you have to prepare differently because Trask is a very different type of player to what Felipe Franks is. And I, I, you know, I don't know to me if there's a lot of questions about Tennessee defense and whether or not their defensive line can make a difference and also whether or not Bryce Thompson is going to play. So there's a lot of questions on that defense anyway, but it, they, they definitely are going to have to prepare um, quite a bit differently, I think, for Florida's offense than what they would have had Franks been the starter. They played against Franks. Yeah, they, they played against them. This coaching staff and players did last year. But obviously, a lot of the players on defense who were on the roster in 2017 played against him, too. So they, they've never played against Trask, except for when I mean, he came in in garbage time last year, but that doesn't really count. So I'll be, I'll be very interested to see how Tennessee prepares and also what Florida's offense does look like with him. And if they do to, uh, do to use two quarterbacks, how that goes. Yeah, and with Florida's problems in the run game, uh, you know, there's a chance we see Florida use their weapons on the outside even more. Uh, how does Tennessee mm-hmm. stack up at defensive back uh, to keep up with the depth of the Gators receivers? Honestly, I don't like that matchup at all uh, for Tennessee. If, if, if Bryce Thompson is, you know, if he does play and he's, he's you know, real eligible to come back or whatever, however you want to word it, if he does play, I, I like that matchup a little more for Tennessee. But even with him in there, um, Tennessee secondary hasn't been as good this season as I think a lot of us in the media and a lot of fans too were expecting, because you look at, you know, you had obviously Bryce Thompson's been out for the first three games of the season because he's been suspended, but you had a, a freshman all American 
uh, coming back and, and Bryce Thompson had a lot of that Taylor who looked really good as a freshman, even though he played wide receiver all in college and originally joined Tennessee as a receiver converted him to cornerback. And he, you know, he held his own. He, he did a good job um, in the SEC, especially. And then you had a, a veteran and not a warrior back at safety. And then you had a guy in Trevon Flowers who before his injury last year during Tennessee's bye week was flashing some potential as a true freshman this year, the stats won't necessarily show it, but they haven't been very good. Uh, there's been a lot of, obviously, the, the big thing you point to is the end of the BYU game when they give up the 60-plus the yard game that gave BYU the chance to you know, kick that game-tying field goal. That was a just a, a mess up by Alante Taylor and then a whiffed tackle by Nigel Warrior there that, that just let him gain another 20 yards. But even with that just notwithstanding, I mean, they haven't been consistent. There, there were several times, even against UTC, where um, the Chattanooga receivers – they got open from their guy, whoever was, you know, whoever was covering them. But I mean, UTC had so many drops in that game. If, if they didn't drop it, then the the quarterback just misfired for whatever reason. So Tennessee got, you know, the stat sheet shows that they they held UTC to under 100 yards passing. But when you actually watching the game, you're saying, I mean, dang, these guys are they're, they're getting open. This UTC was dropping it. So I, I think to me, whether it's Van Jefferson or if you look at Freddie Swain in the slot there, but that that one concerns me the most because of his speed and his shiftiness what he can do. Um, Tennessee hasn't shown a, a, a very good ability um, to, to kind of, I guess, defend in the slot because at least on the, on the, on the outside, at least you have the, the help of the boundary, you have the help of the, you know, the out of bounds and you can, you can kind of push there, you can kind of push them that way and then have that as your help. When you're in the middle of the field as a, as a nickel corner, um, it's more difficult because maybe, I mean, you maybe have help from a safety, maybe have help from a linebacker, but I mean, those guys aren't going to be able to cover the kind of speed that you have at the slot in the SEC. So, I, I do not like that matchup for Tennessee, even if Bryce Thompson does play this game. And I think if Tennessee can't generate pressure and they've, they've had tr- trouble getting pressure this season, whoever the quarterback is for Florida, they have a chance to, you know, get the ball into the hands and, and make some plays on the outside. You know, one positive for this Tennessee defense was linebacker Daniel Batuli uh, back on the field last week for the first time this season. Uh, what does his return mean to this Tennessee defense and maybe what we can expect from him uh, coming up against Florida? I know it was against Chattanooga, but his return, I mean, it made a marked difference on how Tennessee was able to play and line up and, and just the confidence I think the defense had. And he wasn't out there, you know, a ton because right. the Tennessee that game got out of hand pretty quickly. And also they, were, they didn't want to play him a ton because they were still trying to make sure he's going to be okay from that uh, after the knee procedure he had late in fall camp. But I think his return, I mean, it really, I don't think it can be understated. Right? I, I, think, I don't think it can be said enough how much it could really mean to his defense. You know, it doesn't mean that Tennessee is going to be, you know, a top five SEC defense or anything like that, but I think it allows that front seven, especially in the linebacking core, where you've seen most of the issues um, with the kind of alignment and stuff like that. It's going to allow them um, to get better at that because he's the leader. He's a guy who's, this is his fourth year. He is the, he's the middle linebacker. He's the quarterback of that defense. Um, and it's also, it allows Henry Toa Toa, the, the, you know, the star freshman for Tennessee there in the middle. It, I think you're going to see Batuli and HT. I think you're going to see both those guys kind of be the starters. And even if they aren't, if we'll acknowledge the starter alongside Batuli, HT still going to play a ton in this game. I think it allows him to play more free. He doesn't have to worry about kind of making plays and, and or, you know, clock at the plays and stuff like that because he has the leader beside him to do it. Whereas when the first couple weeks of the season, I mean, Henry Toa Toa and we'll acknowledge both were kind of tasked with you know, kind of running the plays and getting things set up. And that's, that's a lot to ask for a freshman, even though he is a very good freshman. He's a very smart freshman, one of the smartest uh, freshman linebackers I've ever seen. 
you know, it's still a lot to ask for a guy who this is his first year in, in this defense. So I think it, it'll help Tennessee's defense a lot having Vatuli back. Um, you know, this is a game that's going to test that. But I, I think you saw a marked difference in how Tennessee handled their alignments and their assignments and stuff against UTC on Saturday. And that's obviously Florida's a big step up from that. But I, I do think you saw quite a bit of difference with Vatuli out there. Uh, uh, kind of taking it off topic here, lastly, uh, Nathaniel, your Twitter bio says uh, you're a Star Wars fanatic. Uh, I consider myself yeah. one so- somewhat uh, as well. So, of course, you got to get down to, to Orlando and, and the new Star Wars theme park, uh, Galaxy's Edge, down here in Orlando at Disney. Man, I, I can't wait for it. I, 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 I definitely want to go down there whenever, you know, football season ends and maybe when there's a break during basketball season, um, I'm going to try to go. But yeah, I, I am, I am pumped about that for sure. That's, that's on my uh, to-do list. I guess the, the biggest question is of course, a new movie coming out uh, December this year. How, how are your thoughts on the, uh, the, the newer trilogy in, in, in relation to the uh, previous Star Wars movies? Oh, actually, I mean, I really like the new trilogy. I know it gets, it's not as popular with a lot of fans, but I actually do, really like it um I, I would still obviously put the original trilogy ahead of it but I, I think it's better than the prequels and i i you know i'm not a, i don't i'm not gonna trash the last jedi like a lot of people have i actually have <laughs> I genuinely enjoyed it i've genuinely enjoyed the new trilogy and i've actually really liked the um you know the, the kind of standalone movies they did i think rogue one to me was one of the best star wars films i've ever seen to me okay it's, it's we my agree top, there probably, yep, we agree yeah there. Probably, yep. my, probably my top three as far as you know one of the best star wars movies i've ever seen R- rogue one was phenomenal um but yeah I, I am very excited about the the kind of the ending of the, Sky, the skywalker saga and to see where star wars moves on from this because this, this would be you know the ninth movie that that covers the skywalker family and then they're they're kind of closing that chapter closing that book and you know i'll be very interested to see where they move on from after this yeah, absolutely and then of course uh yeah we're letting our our, our, our nerd come out here too but, but the mandalorian <laughs> show too, too coming out yes uh, something, something to look forward to if everybody hasn't checked the, the trailer out for that and uh you like star wars uh definitely definitely something to look forward to absolutely i, I am very excited about that 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 i was already going to get you know disney plus but watching the trailer for that just i mean that sold me enough i was like you know i was already going to get this thing but seeing these things it, it makes me feel even better about uh getting that subscription service <laughs> absolutely all right that's nathaniel rutherford from rocky top insider joining joining me right here on gated breakdown to preview the tennessee volunteers nathaniel thank you so much absolutely thanks for having me on i appreciate it are you ready to bet on some football my bookie is the place to bet on football every week whether you want to make a national title bet or wager on this weekend's games my bookie has you covered MyBookie is proven, and that's why they are always the right play. You bet, you win, they pay. Have some fun with betting this season. MyBookie lets you bet on which college coaches will get fired, who will make the college football playoff, or win the Heisman Trophy. You can even bet on halftime lines, live odds. If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. Also, MyBookie allows you to bet on FBS versus FCS games. Right now... Double your first deposit at MyBookie. Use promo code GATERS to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today at MyBookie.ag. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot A-G. And don't forget to use promo code GATERS when creating your account to claim the bonus. Bet. Win. Get paid at MyBookie. All right, here we go. Uh, The first SEC home game of the season and the first of three straight home games for the Gators. Tennessee is going to come in fired up, ready to turn around their season. 
they'll play with some some desperation, some passion that you know may lead to some trickeration or some big plays that the Gators will have to be ready for. I know some of you out there don't necessarily consider Tennessee much of a rival anymore, but I definitely do. Uh, I know their fan base does. I know their players do. Uh, their coaching staff does. So. Hopefully the swamp is rocking and everyone's in their blue ready to go at noon on Saturday. Of course, the big question, the big, big question will be how does Kyle Trask and maybe even Emory Jones uh, react to getting more playing time. There's still not really enough tape on these guys for for an opponent to pick up too much on tendencies. So so Florida still has some element of surprise with with the quarterback situation. Can can. Kyle Trask pick up where he left off versus Kentucky. Uh, the offensive play calling, to me, doesn't really change all that much with him compared to Felipe Franks. Uh, you know What to watch here is how does Jeremy Pruitt build his defensive game plan versus Kyle Trask and or Emory Jones or whoever's out there. I think we'll see both of them. I think you know we saw enough last week that just sitting in zone isn't going to work versus Kyle Trask. So I expect Pruitt to, to be aggressive especially versus a quarterback that doesn't have much experience uh, much experience, and see if you can rattle him early on. Uh, make Kyle Trask beat you. Don't let him beat you has to be the mindset there. So, you know, no matter how Kyle Trask plays, we could still see plenty of Emory Jones. I, I really do think we, we see him a good bit in this game, uh, unless Kyle Trask just really comes out, you know, firing, firing again. So, you know, go back to the first game of the season for Tennessee and, and just how much the Georgia State quarterback was able to kill Tennessee's defense with read option and, and zone read type of plays. And, and you may have something cooking with Jones. Uh, to test this Tennessee defense, when Jones first goes out there, you know, I, to me, I, I try and sneak a big play with him early through the air. Uh, I think most expect him uh, or you know, to be a run threat, especially given the trouble Tennessee had in, in stopping that style. So maybe there's a chance here to sneak in a big play early on. Uh, not sure the confidence we have in this Florida run game uh, with the running backs and offensive line, you know. But but while Tennessee gave up 213 yards to Georgia State, they rebounded nicely versus BYU, uh, where the Cougars only had an hundred, uh, only had 138 yards gained on the ground in that one. So they, they did bounce back nice from an uh, opponent they should have beat to a uh, opponent that was a lot tougher matchup. But uh, you know they they didn't make necessary adjustments to stop the run game. So. You know, Will for Florida, will giving Emory Jones more carries open up the run game and take some stress off the offensive line? Or, or will it be Kyle Trask coming out and slinging it early that, that'll help open up the run game? Uh, either way, we know this offensive line will have to improve on their assignments and physicality to get it going uh, in, in spots and help these running backs out. For the Gators' defense, uh, the matchup outside with, with cornerbacks versus Tennessee's wide receivers, Jawan Jennings and Marquez Callaway is the, the matchup I'm really looking for. Uh, that duo for Tennessee has six of the seven receiving touchdowns for Tennessee so far this season. Jennings has four of those, and we haven't, you know, we we haven't got to see Marco Wilson and C.J. Henderson together the last two years under Mullen, and that could that could continue again Saturday. Um, C.J. Henderson was at practice Tuesday, dressed out, uh, but no idea how much he participated. Uh, so if he's out or or limited, it'll be Marco Wilson who hasn't looked like himself yet this season and one of the true freshmen on the other side and last week is it was a non-favorable matchup uh size wise uh for wilson versus ahmaud wagner uh but you you have callaway for tennessee at 6'2 204 jennings at 6'3 208 and wagner was much more of an issue there size wise 6'5 234 but these two tennessee wide receivers aren't small and, and do have a lot of experience coming in uh to gainesville here so 
And of course, the easiest way to, to stop that is put pre- pressure on Jarrett Garantano uh, to where he can't get enough passes off. Uh, the Florida defensive front would try to bounce back after not getting a whole lot of pressure last week versus Kentucky. Tennessee has given up five sacks on the season so far and is yet to see anything like this defensive front for the Gators that could be without Jabari Zaniga, who was seen in a boot uh, earlier this week, Tuesday at practice, and Ventro Miller, who was uh, in a red no-contact jersey as well. So I still like what Florida has options there with Grenard and Moon, but pass rush isn't the same, especially without Zaniga on the field. So uh, also, kind of injury-wise, Amari Bernie did practice, so if Miller is limited or can't go, then it looks like you'll get to see more from Amari Bernie after he missed the last two games with an injury. And I honestly don't know how this game's going to go. There's so many things up in the air, especially with the switch at quarterback and some of the injury situations we find ourselves in uh, for these Gators right now. Florida is the better team. Florida's best is much better than Tennessee's best. Tennessee's worst is worse than Florida's worst. But Tennessee will come in upset-minded no matter what happened those first two games. Tennessee isn't as bad as they look versus Georgia State, but they certainly were that day. Uh, I do think Mullen gets creative or gets the pass game going early on to jump on to jump quick on Tennessee. Injuries on the defensive side of the ball keeps this from being a route. But I like the Gators here, 27-13. A defensive line won't get insane pressure on Garantano, but they'll get enough to make a difference. Gators 27, Tennessee 13 is my score prediction. I don't think Florida runs away with it, but they do control Tennessee pretty much the whole game. All right, we'll take a look at games of interest around here. We'll start right in the SEC at noon as well. Southern Miss visits Alabama. Not much of a game there. Also at noon, at a conference matchup, Cal and Ole Miss up in Oxford, Mississippi. 23rd ranked Cal coming in, taking on Matt Corral and the Ole Miss Rebels. LSU visits Vanderbilt as LSU schedule you know gets a kind of get a break here before um, the, the before Florida travels to Baton Rouge in, in just a few weeks. So LSU uh, get past Vanderbilt here and they'll probably be coasting uh, to Florida when they match up. The 3.30 CBS game this week, SEC's game of the week, is Auburn and Texas A&M. Number 8, Auburn. Number 17, Texas A&M Aggies in College Station. There be interesting uh, to, to see how this one plays out, uh, of course. Um, most Gator fans want a, want a pretty big game when Auburn comes to town in just a couple weeks. So uh, if Auburn has to get past Texas A&M first, as I mentioned, that game is at 3.30. Also in the SEC at 4 o'clock, Kentucky, Florida's opponent last week, and Mississippi State. Uh, both teams coming off losses there, so definitely want to bounce back this week. Also at 4, another SEC East matchup, South Carolina and Missouri. Uh, pretty good quarterback uh, battle go- going there with Kelly Bryant and Ryan Helensky. See which one of those guys comes out on top and uh, might be who can kind of you know challenge Kentucky here in this game for who's kind of pegged between uh, Florida and, and Georgia in the East. 7.30 that night, San Jose and Arkansas State in Arkansas. And, of course, the big one, number seven, Notre Dame, visits Athens as they take on the Bulldogs at 8 o'clock on CBS. So if you're going to the Gator game, you'll be home in time. Most of you will be home in time to see Georgia and Notre Dame in the national game uh, of the week there. So kind of the first test for Georgia, and we'll see what they have as they go get, going up against the uh, Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. 
I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.